The worship isn't over. We continue to worship him as we look into his word together. So take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Who else could rescue me? Who else could rescue you from all your failings? I was just imagining, just thinking about, as we were singing that this morning, I was thinking about Jesus on the cross and the thieves next to him on, on, on either side. And how they started in on jeering and, and, and ridiculing him. In their own misery, they were also making fun of him and saying, why don't you save us and, and all those kind of things if you're the, if you're the Savior. And then one of them, as he, as he watched Jesus, the way that he suffered and the way that he was dying, knew that it must be true what the people had been saying about him, that, that he was more than a man, that he was God himself, that he is the Son of God. And, and he rebuked the other guy who, who had just a few minutes before he had been joining in with in, in, in ridiculing Jesus, giving him a hard time. He said, wait a minute. We deserve to be up here. He doesn't. He didn't do anything. And then, he, and then he made this great statement. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, to that guy, that thief, that criminal, today you'll be with me in paradise. He rescued that guy. If he rescued that guy, it's a great picture, a great statement that he would rescue anyone, just as his word says he will, anyone who calls on his name. He rescues us from all our failings. Our failings weren't weren't the same as the guy on the cross. Some of us, I mean, some of us have stole stuff before, but, but it wasn't, maybe hasn't been our life. That guy was a thief. That guy, that guy was probably making his living by being a thief. Our stealing, our, our, our thievery may have, may have been less or may be less than that. But we sin in, in other ways and we fail him in other ways. And whoever calls on his name will be saved. And he, and he showed that to his disciples here in Mark chapter 14 on this last week of his life, just before the incident that I was just referring to, as he instituted among his his brothers, the Lord's Supper. Look again as we looked at it last week from verse 12 of Mark chapter 14. On the first day of the Feast of of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room where I, may eat, where, I, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve while they were reclining at the table eating. He said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, surely not I. 
It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. Verse 25, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now we looked at this passage last week. Some of you weren't here, so you don't don't necessarily know that unless you listened in on the website or something like that. But I wanted to come back to it, not only because it's such an important passage. I mean, we, we look at this, at this supper as something that the Lord has, has instituted for us to follow as his example and, and, to, and to think about him, to remember him when we, when we take that, that, that piece of unleavened bread that I showed the children last week. When we, when we drink of that cup, to remember his broken body, to remember his shed blood, to remember that he alone is the one who's able to save. And in, and in looking at that passage, I also wanted to, to look back, as, at, not specifically at the supper, but what happened just before it, or right in the beginning of it, and just at the end of it. So, sort of the bookends. We, we referred to it, we looked at it a little bit, but I wanted to spend a little bit more time on it because these particular issues are important for us to remember, and, and I didn't want to pass over it uh, too quickly. Some of you got that. Okay. We read in, in Psalm 41 today that uh, Mark led us in uh, something that called to mind this, this verse in verse 18. When Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And then he again said in verse 20, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. And, and we, we mentioned that last week, so looked at that, and recognized, of course, that that was Judas, and that he was um, a, a faker and a thief himself, um, while one of the 12, he wasn't really one of the 12 in the sense that he believed in Jesus as the other 11 did. We don't know exactly what his motives were. We don't know if he was, was one that was trying to, to bring in the physical um, deliverance from Rome, um, as so many of the Jews were looking forward to. So many of the Jews thought that this millennial kingdom that I referred to with the children this morning was ready to start right now. Because the Messiah was here. Judas might have had those thoughts, and, and, and some people think that he was trying to speed things up by doing what he did. But the, disciple, the disciples themselves, in the other Gospels, we, we, we read that this was something that, that Judas may have been doing simply because he was helping himself to the, you know, to the money bag, so to speak, because he was a thief. And so he was a greedy guy, and this was an opportunity for him to make some more money. Um, some people will do anything for money. No one did anything worse for money, probably, than, than Judas, which is why Jesus makes that profound judgment on him. 
I mean, what could, what could be a worse judgment for Jesus to say than to say, it would have been better for you to have never been born? It would have been better for you. What, what's going to happen to you is going to be worse than if you would have never existed. And we think, oh, that, that sounds awful. Who, who could deserve something that terrible? And the answer is everybody who rebels against, rebels against Jesus. Everybody who rebels against their creator. Everybody who takes advantage of every opportunity. Like, for example, what we were singing about, every breath we take is a gift from God. We can't, we can't see how he makes it work, but it works Every step we take, every, every morsel that we eat, every friend that we, that we get to have fellowship with, every family member that we get to have, have a special relationship with, all, all of these things, every, some of you are watching football and baseball last night, every, you know, every good game and bad games. All these gifts that we receive from him. And then especially what Jesus came to offer and that Judas was rejecting. Which everybody in the world that doesn't put their trust in him rejects. Because he has shown us according to his word. He has shown everybody his nature. He's shown everybody right and wrong. And everybody rebels against it. And rebels against him. Until they put their trust in Jesus. And that's why he went through this, this great statement in the supper. If you drink my blood, eat my flesh, you will be saved. It's him. It's Jesus that saves us. Judas was rejecting Jesus. People who reject Jesus are rejecting their very creator, their very Savior who came into the world to live that perfect life, to die on the cross, which again, it's why we hang it up here. It's not a decoration. It's a symbol of his love for us because he went to that cross to die for everybody and all who believe in him. And that's, that was the picture of eating the bread and drinking the cup, believing in him, they will be saved. But those who don't, are going to face this same condemnation that Judas faced. The Apostle Paul put it like this, and you can turn with me um, to 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. When Paul was, was letting the Thessalonians know how much he'd been praying for them because they were, they were going through um, terrible, terrible times, terrible persecutions for their faith in Jesus. Uh, they were living in a, in, a, in a city at a time when, when to be a believer in Jesus meant that lots of them were going to lose their jobs and have no way to make money for their families. Um, lots of them were, were going to be separated from their, from their families. Lots of the men would be arrested, maybe even killed. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul um, writes to them and tells them how he's been praying for them, starting with verse 3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of 
of you has for each other is increasing. And I'll just make a side note here before we continue reading. A lot of them were showing that love by helping take care of those that were losing their jobs. And, and, and that were losing their, their, their breadwinners if they were being, being killed for their faith. They were helping each other. And they were growing in their faith, even in that terrible situation. Therefore, verse 4 says, Among God's churches we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Again, verse 8, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so many times we think, how could he do that? We wouldn't do that. Why would God do something that we wouldn't do? And and in some cases, we elevate ourselves to his status or even above him by thinking, you just can't do that. And you know what our problem is when we have that thought? We still, even those of us who are believers in Christ, we still don't understand and appreciate his holiness and his glory to the degree that we will. Because when we see him in all his glory, we will understand how and why he would have this kind of punishment on Judas and all other people who reject him. Because of how great he is. When we think of being rejected, we think of ourselves. We think of people. We think, well, yeah, it hurts to be rejected and all that, but, you know, I've done bad things too, and I'm, I'm not going to kill him over it. Well, he commands us not to kill him over it. Because he knows that we aren't able to judge like that. He knows it wouldn't be right for those of us who sin to judge like that. Because we ourselves sin. And that's why we have such a hard time with his ultimate judgment. But God will be right in all of his judgments. All of them. And and it's important for us to understand it, especially these days in in our culture where, where there's a whole different Jesus being presented. And he's not a Jesus who would do this. But real Jesus will do this because he is real Jesus. Because he is not one of us just like us. Because even though he came to live in this world like us and to be tempted in every way just as we are, he went without sin because he is the son of God. And so his judgments on those who reject him will be right and will be just. And we won't be appalled by it 
because we will see him and know who he is and how righteous and, and holy he is. In the meantime, we by faith trust that his judgments will be right and we do all that we can, which he's also commanded us to, because remember, even though he is going to judge those who reject him, he is sending out his people every day, every hour, to represent him in the, to the lives of those who have rejected him and are living in that rebellion, to give them the opportunity to turn, to give them the opportunity to change their mind, to, to leave their sins behind, to leave their religions behind, and to put their trust in Jesus. And so that's why we're involved all around the world in, in trying to reach people for Jesus. Every person that he created was created to bring him glory. And because of our sinfulness, the only way that we can give him glory is to put our trust in him. And so we try to reach people in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, in our own schools, in our own businesses, in our own stores, and people all around the world with this good news. That they might also, as we have, call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And so this statement of judgment, just before he lays out to his disciples again how he is going to give his life for them, is a a statement to remind us of the seriousness of what it is we do with Jesus. This this is not just something that's a, a really good idea to do. This is something that is critical and vital for us to do. Because it's the only way that we can avert the judgment of God. Because he will judge our sin. He will either judge it on the cross, where Jesus died to take it upon himself, where he will forgive all of us who have sinned, who call on him, or he will judge it for eternity in in those who won't turn to Jesus. And so, if you've turned to Christ, if you have already put your trust in Christ, you believe in him, that he is your Savior, that he did what his word says he did, that he rose again to give life to everybody who believes in him, you have eternal life. But you also have the opportunity to shine that light to those who still don't know. Just as Jesus was shining in his day, just like his apostles were shining after Jesus left and through them and and since them, because of them, by the power of the Holy Spirit, people have been shining ever since and people have been coming to faith in Christ. Now, at the end of the supper, this was at the beginning, and that, and that did cause some, some discussion because it was shocking to them that anybody would do this. Even though they were suspicious of Judas, they didn't even think that he would do this. But at the end of the supper, Jesus says something on an entirely different note. As he finished the supper, he said, I'm not going to drink this cup again. Until I'm drinking it in the kingdom. And there's coming a day, according to the word of God, there's coming a day that because of what Jesus did for us, all of his promises are going to be fulfilled. And what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation that we talked about as we were going through Mark 13, and if you weren't here to hear those, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those and read through that. Because that's important material for us. We're, we're, again, we're reminded this weekend that we are, are living during the birth pangs of the coming of Christ. 
There's a war going on in, in Israel right now. Another reminder of these birth pangs. And some of you are concerned about, uh, about Light of Messiah Ministries that we support here at Midway Community Church. And, I, and they were scheduled, as they did last year, they were scheduled to leave yesterday for a trip, um, taking people to, to Israel. Um, not only to show them the great things of the Holy Land, but also to reach out to the Jewish people of Israel. And they, they got word in time that they, that they didn't go on that trip. They will go if things calm down or, 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 you know, cancel it. But we praise God that they're safe and many others, you know, are safe. But, but others had just arrived the day before and those kind of things and are, are facing great difficulty um, during this, this um, conflict that's going on there. But as, as Israel is, is under attack right now, the promises of God are that there is coming a day when Israel as a nation will be vindicated. And that God will be, be glorified in the world, in all the world, for the way that he decided to reveal himself and to bring salvation to all the people of the world and to his own people that out of this nation that he chose. Not because they were so great, but because he was so great that he could take a nation that wasn't even a nation and make them a great, great nation that all the peoples of the world all the nations of the world would be blessed through. Well, we're here as a result of that because Jesus came through that country, came through that nation of Israel and did what he did and all of us who believe are now blessed because God did that through Israel. But God has many promises that he still hasn't fulfilled yet and won't have fulfilled by the end of the tribulation when the, when the Lord Jesus returns. When he brings us back, those of us who had already passed away or that he or were raptured to him he brings us back for that final time and then he institutes that thousand year reign when on the earth Jesus will reign from Jerusalem and there will during that thousand years be no more wars until the end of it when there will be a final war no more wars or or big rebellions like go on all the time in fact in in Isaiah chapters 2 and 11 and, and there are so many scriptures in the Old Testament that speak of these things, but these are two of the, of the more popular ones that we might remember, where he says the wolf will lay down with the lamb. You remember that. And, and the other animals that, have, that, that in these days have no, you know, no ability to lay down together or to be near each other without eating each other or, being, or be eaten. And then he also says that all the swords of the earth will be beaten into plowshares because there will not be war anymore. It's going to be a time period where Israel, again, will be vindicated. All the promises of God that he's made to Israel will will come to pass um, before the final end. When And, and we'll, we'll read from, uh, real quickly as we close, from Revelation chapter 20, which gives a, a great picture of this. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And this is in reference to that time period that Jesus is referring to at the end of the Lord's Supper. Revelation chapter 20 says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. 
He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. We'll stop um, reading just at that, at that point. That thousand years is going to be a lot better place to live than our current circumstances. Because, first of all, there, there will be very few people who aren't believers living in the world during that time. There will be some people being born to those who are, are still alive, survivors of the tribulation, who have come to faith in Christ. And they will be living and having children during that thousand-year period. And out of those children, some will, will, will rebel against Christ, even though Jesus is reigning personally on the throne, even though the world is not being attacked by Satan and his demons during that time period. There, there will still be some trouble, but it will it'll be a great, great experience compared to what's happening today. When he, when he speaks of those animals laying down together and the fact that the, the, the swords will be beat into, into plows and, and those kind of things, he's, he's letting us know that that's going to be a great time to live in this, on this planet. But it won't be perfect. And even though people will live a really, really long time, those, those who are born during that thousand years, there, there, will be, there will still be death and those kind of things, but it won't, be, it won't happen near as often and it won't happen as tragically as it happens today. But when those children and the children of those children um, grow up and some of them decide to rebel against Jesus, then Satan will be unbound and lead a, a, a great uh, rebellion against Jesus. And that's when the final battle will be fought. And all evil will be destroyed. And this old heaven and old earth will be destroyed. And he will make a new one where we will live with him forever. But Jesus puts this, this kingdom into perspective by saying how he was looking forward after this Lord's Supper to the day when he would share, with the, share the cup again with his disciples and all of those who love him in his kingdom, which will be a place for us to reign with him um, because of our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a day that we can look forward to. That's a day that we can talk about. But it's also a reminder that even though Satan will be bound, our sin nature is strong enough that some who are born during that period will, will continue to rebel against God. And so that reminds us again, back to the judgment on, on Judas, that we need to be strong in our witness during these days to let people know, people who are being led astray by, led astray by Satan, but also following their own base desires based on this sin nature that we all possess, that now is the time to repent and to turn away from that and to seek the Lord and to be saved by calling on the name of Jesus. So let's remember that as we go today. Let's remember this emphasis that Jesus placed in the, on, on both ends of his, of his Last Supper, the judgment on those, on Judas and those who don't believe, but also the glory and the, and the, and the opportunity that we're looking forward to of being with Jesus during this kingdom era of that thousand-year reign uh, before he makes all things new. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning.
for the blessings and the judgments. Your judgments remind us of how far we have fallen from you. And how thankful we who have called on Jesus are that we will never be condemned because of our sins. But Father, as Judas was a prime example, those who don't call on you, those who continue in their rebellion against you, will face that judgment. And Father, we pray that you would use us to share the good news, to live the good news among those that we live around and with and work with and through our missionaries and the opportunities that you give us to go to people all around the world to let them know that even though this is a sin-filled and sin-ruined world, that there is hope through Jesus Christ. There is hope for people, no matter what they've done, no matter where they're from, no matter what their sins have been, that they can turn to you and be forgiven and, and look forward to a new day on this, on this earth and then finally on the new, at the new heavens and the new earth to be involved in your great glory forever and ever. Father, we thank you for Jesus sharing these things with us and we thank you for preserving your word so that we can look at them and be encouraged and be strengthened and be challenged with the opportunities that you give us. Help us to shine bright for you and help those who still haven't put their trust in Jesus to do so today. As the Apostle Paul said, Father, help them to know that they can become your friends today. They can move from being enemies in rebellion against you because of their sins to becoming your friends and to live with you forever in your great glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.